He said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Not refurbish. Shall renew as if it had never been scarred before. As if you were never weary or tired. As if stress never entered your body or mind. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What's the proof? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Whoo, Lord Jesus. I don't know about you this morning, but I, the fainting is gone. Look at somebody and tell them, the fainting is gone. The fainting is gone. The fainting is gone. The weariness is gone. God has got it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I'm going to spend a few moments today uh, on something that will sound very much like an oxymoron when I mention it, when I state it. Our topic today is aggressive humility. Aggressive humility. That in the natural, when we think of humility, we think of stepping back, we think of being in the shadows, try not to notice me, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, you know, to, to worry about, you know, I'm just right here, just trying to do God's will, and, and, and can I tell you, most of the time when you feel that way, most of the time when you feel that way, you, you are mistaking personal insecurity for biblical humility. That because of what you went through, you have fallen into what I have identified as personal insecurity, and then you add a little praise God to it, and, and you add a little hallelujah to it, and you walk around with personal insecurity that God wants to deliver you from, wants to set you free from, and bring you into what true humility looks like. But you did not have someone to kind of help you get over that hurdle. With God's help today, we're going we're gonna to deep dive into this. Aggressive humility. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we deep dive into your word, whoop, let your glory come upon me. I must decrease and you must increase. I am nothing, you are everything. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. Let your people receive, touch their hearts. Right now in this moment, I'm asking that you consecrate us. Go ahead, somebody, go ahead. Remember what we said? Worship is not worship without consecration. Worship is not worship without consecration. If you, if you worship before you consecrate, it means you are putting the full mignon of, of worship 
on, on, a, on a dirty dish, on, on, a, on a garbage can. And, and that is not acceptable. So, so today, Father, we, we consecrate ourselves. Wash us, clean us, purify us, purge us, prune us, flush whatever needs to be flushed out of us so that you will be able to move through us as conduits. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. 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 Aggressive humility. Uh, the, this message is going to be in two parts. So next week I'm not going to preamble as much. We're going to just dive right into part two. Our scripture reading, two texts very quickly. The first is Galatians 4, 3, and 5. 3, 4, and 5. Galatians 4, 3, 4, and 5. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Philippians 2, and this one is a little longer, starting from verse 5. Paul the Apostle speaking, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, and I've added the amplified so that you can look at that and hear even more detail in my voice. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
I want you to remember this as a sidebar. Proverbs 22 and 4. Because after this point, with the mention of this Proverbs, I'm just going to be dealing with where, where, where Jesus stands as the example. This week, we're just dealing with where, where does Jesus stand as your example? And why should you and I have confidence in holding on to what he said and what he did as your anchor? Why? But Proverbs 22, 4. The reward for humility, this is not from a comic book or some human writer. This is word. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord, three things. And I don't know about you all, but I'm taking them serious because I'm going to live to see every one of these three be activated or continue to be activated in my own life. The reward, someone said the reward. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, wealth. Everyone else can be in and live in poverty in your family, stay in poverty, grew up in poverty, but, but when you spread your life before God in constant transparency, which we call humility, the reward is riches, wealth, honor. Folks gonna honor you and don't even know you. People will respect and honor you even when they don't like you because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the God in you. The reward is riches, honor, and life. And life and life, good life. I don't want to live to 90 years old and spend the last 20 or 30 of those years sickly. I don't want to live to 85 or 80 and spend the, the last 15 or last 10 years of those, those, those years sickly. I'm speaking it, commanding it into the atmosphere of my life that you will be like Moses. You will be like Moses. You're going to say, man, I'm what, 80 some years old? And right now, I feel like I'm 40 again. With God on my side, I feel like I could do this all over again from the beginning. Because God said, if I can just keep myself under him and don't try to Satan him, don't try to Lucifer him, become bigger than I am, 
to myself. God said, I'm a, I'm go, I, know, I know you're looking at your life and you don't see wealth. I know you're looking at your life and your family doesn't honor you. I know you may be looking at your life and you, in your body, you feel 15 years older than you really are. But I'm telling you, God has decreed that if, if humility is truly activated in your life today and refurbished and, and stirred up every day, the result is going to be riches, honor, and life. And the Bible does not lie. If you want to know more about that, ask Mama Ross right there. There she is right there. People still ask her today. Are you what? No, and I'm not going to call it mom. And protect that, you know, it's me and you. But I'm in my 50s and she's older than me. We're not gonna put numbers on there. She might be like five years older than me. But you know, but 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 11 kids, long life in ministry. God took your husband away, call him home. How many years now that's been gone from 13 to now? Eight years? This will be the ninth year. Go ahead, Mom. Get me, get, <laughs> Mom is getting me straight. It's been the ninth year, son. The ninth year. Thank you, Mom. And yet, every time I speak to my mother, she's got the joy of the Lord going on. She's got the joy of the Lord going on. She's got the joy of the Lord going on joy of the Lord. And I've wondered, first I thought it was genetics, but then I found out grandma and your aunts died before you this, this age. So what's been keeping you? Jesus. You understand the authority that you're under. You understand properly where you fit in the scheme of things. And you stand humbly before God daily. The humble person thinks honestly about himself. So let me set this and we're rolling. We're rolling right now. The, the, the humble person thinks honestly about himself. He doesn't lie to himself. He's never so high he forgets that grace got me here. Nor does he falsely Look at his life and not bless God for the good things he's got. Let me say that again. The humble person thinks honestly about himself. He doesn't lie to himself. He sees where he is, and when he talks to God, he says, I'm the man. What you see, Father, and you're pointing at, that's me. I'm making no excuses. He's never so high that he forgets that grace 
brought him where he is. He or she. And last, he does not falsely pat himself on the back for his achievements and the blessings in his life. The great British theologian C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Biblical, biblical humility is believing what God says, I'm giving you these things so that once, once you get them, you, you, you write them down, you got them, you can refer to them and you begin to get a, a better picture of what biblical, Christ-like humility should look like in our lives as we walk this thing out. The God type of humility is believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion, including your own. It's a life, it's not a lifestyle. It's not just a process, it's a position. It requires embracing who you are in Christ over the person you see in the flesh. You look in the mirror and whatever you see there is lying to you. I know the world says whatever you see in that mirror is really you. It may really be you in the flesh but it's not going to be who you are in the spirit. And based on our Christian mandate, we have stated emphatically that we are not led by our flesh. We are led by the spirit. So at any given moment, the spirit description of our lives takes precedent over what folks see in the mirror, including myself. It's the ability to be regularly emptied of self-pride and arrogance. That you and I never allow ourselves to become so self-worthy that you begin to see yourself above folks everywhere you look. If you are constantly looking around and something in your mind keeps triggering, well, I sure am better off than that one. I sure am, I, don't, I sure don't have the attitude like that one. I sure don't dress like that one. If that is a, a regularly playing record or CD in your mind and spirit, we have got some challenges with humility.
But can we go deeper? As a principal characteristic in the life of Jesus Christ, we know according to Hebrews 10 and 12, just you can reference that later, that after paying the only acceptable price for our iniquity, he went back to being seated at the right hand of his father. So we, we have read many times over that when Jesus paid the price on the cross, died, was buried and rose again, the Bible clearly said that he went back to be on the right hand of his father. But we don't spend much time on the fact that before he got here to pay the ultimate price, he was already sitting at the right hand of his father. And we're going to take a deep dive into that because if you don't understand this scenario, this, this, this picture, if you don't see it properly, the one that Jesus painted by his own life, you will miss what biblical humility should look like. So at about four this morning, I'm, I got up to use the bathroom but couldn't go back to sleep and I'm just sitting there and I started to write. Add to what was already there. That after Jesus paid the acceptable price for our iniquity, he went back to being seated at the Father's right hand. I want you to consider this, though. Consider this. It's the word eternity or eternal that I'm going to use here. His first and only place of honor before you and I ever got to here, his first and only place of primary honor was sitting in the presence of eternal luxury. An unimaginable beauty. Enjoying the eternal sounds of majestic worship from a host of angels continually releasing indescribable melody into an atmosphere of, of stunning purity and giving perpetual honor to the Godhead with words like holy, 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 holy. The Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled. The universe is filled with your awesomeness. And they're saying it over and over and over, and they don't stop. And in the background, there is a melody playing that, that, that would, would literally kill you if humanity heard it. 
because we weren't we aren't prepared for that kind of quality of sound. And Jesus, before the events of Calvary, is there in the luxury, in the imaginable beauty, enjoying this sound, enjoying the awesomeness of heaven. When, bam, his father comes with the shock. Now, as a child growing up and even in seminary, my thought was that Jesus knew because he was part of the Godhead that Jesus knew that he would be called upon to go to Calvary to pay the price for our iniquity. But there's some conflict with that thought process because after he accepted the assignment and got here and spent 33 years growing up, at the moment, hours before he goes to Calvary, he still has a conversation that pits his father's will against his will. He goes to his dad in Gethsemane and he said, Papa, if it's at all possible, could this cup pass from me? But with the essence of his godness still there within him, he stops his dad, said, nevertheless, don't answer. It is not my will, it's your will. But it still establishes the fact that he had the right and had to be quite possibly saying to himself, and I'm just extrapolating here. We had civilization that, that was so bad and sinful, and the world is heading that way again. That God looked down and couldn't see anybody except for Noah and his family. And he said, I'm done with it, and he wiped it all off. And Jesus is there when his father and the Godhead made that decision. So I wouldn't be surprised in my own mental extrapolation that he could have well be saying, if they get that bad again, that's going to do something. I heard him talking about burning it up. Probably going to be burned up. But that's not what happened. In the midst of all of this wonder and glory and majesty that he's enjoying, his father breaks out with the news. Son, a price 
has to be paid. Wait, 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 wait a second. We didn't talk about price before. Before we talked about annihilation, the flood. Now, instead of annihilation, you're, you're, you're telling me about atonement? I want you to get into the space. I want you to get into the space this morning. Annihilation for the second time was a choice that the Godhead could have made. And we always think about how that affected us, but we never lend thought to how it could possibly have affected God's son, Jesus, who was one with God and yet separate from God. He had his own thoughts, but he also had the thoughts unified with the Father. There were three, and yet there were one. It is the only explanation that we have. I've heard so many pastors, prophets, and ministers try to humanize the Godhead by saying there was no real God and there was no real Holy Spirit. All there was was Jesus. Jesus kind of being a ventriloquist and calling himself Holy Spirit. Jesus calling himself God the Father. But the word of God is clear. Each one of those parts of God has its own directive, its own thing that it's responsible for. When Jesus died and went back to heaven, he said, I'm sending you the part of the Godhead that could be the only one to do this. He's called the Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead and guide you into all truth. He's going to be your comforter. God couldn't come back. Jesus couldn't come back in his glorified body. Humanity couldn't handle that. Only the Holy Spirit could do that. And yet, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. Unique, united, but individual. And so instead of annihilation, God let it be known. Son, I'm not gonna annihilate them again. I'm gonna I'm gonna make an atonement. I'm gonna I'm going to usher in forgiveness. And, 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 and if that wasn't good enough, in my, in my humanness, I could just see Jesus, Alfred, just sitting there listening to Dad and waiting for him to say, I'll send so-and-so. I will do so-and-so. I will do anything else, but not call me Jesus. Your only son. But he did. So he tells him he's going to atone and not annihilate. 
And then he tells them, it's going to be you, not somebody else. It is the reason you and I are here today. Jesus, you got to write these down, then we're going to go back to the, to the verses and just peel them apart as we close. Jesus showed internal submission, then external obedience. As soon as God the Father said, son, it's you. It's you. You're the one. You're going down and you're going to pay the price for humanity's wrong. You, you, you're going, son. There was no argument. There was no fussing. There was unity and oneness from the moment it came out of the father's mouth. He submitted to it internally. Submission is, a, is internal. Have you ever seen a child who didn't want to do something that the mama made him do? You spank him with that paddle and you sit him down and say, don't you get up from here. But you can look at that face and tell that they are still standing up on the inside. There wasn't none of that when God sent his son. He submitted on the inside. He submitted in his core. And that submission in his core allowed him to be obedient in his action. It's the first point of reckoning that I want to bring up this morning. Are you submitted in your core today? Is there a part of you that folks around you look at you and they say, oh, she is a really good Christian. He is a man of God. She is so encouraging. But the truth is, internally, you're standing up. You're frowning. You're begrudging. You're jealous. You're envious. Internal submission will net external obedience. And when true submission on the inside happens to you, you can obey in humility. You don't obey in disagreement. You don't obey with a frown on your face. You don't obey like a Pharisee and say, I wish I didn't have to come here this morning. Isn't there anybody else to serve today? It's not my Sunday to do this. But you and I are so sold on the relationship we have with God 
that what we say is what he says. And what he says is what we do. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Because that's what Jesus was. That's what Jesus showed. Number two. Jesus was in authority and yet under authority. For the first one, the first one, I connected that to our Galatians 4 scripture reading. It says, but in the fullness of time. You know, I've always read that and didn't quite get it as a youngster. Are you telling me that all of the sacrifice that Jesus made, Alfred, all that he did to pay for my iniquity is described in one half a sentence called in the fullness of time? You can read that and you breeze right over it and it doesn't hit you. That, that what it took for Jesus to be that humble, that ready, that sold out, that committed to my healing and your healing, my deliverance and your deliverance, my freedom and your freedom is not just in the fullness of time. It was in the right time. It was the perfect time. It was the fullness of time. It was the time that was. In the fullness of time. When the fullness of time had come. God sent his son. I want you to see that. In the fullness of time, his son didn't just come. God sent his son. There was, there was submission here. There was submission here at his very core that allowed him to obey and never create a ripple in the spirit of heaven. So you've been asking what we read in Proverbs, that humility, biblical humility, is going to net. It cannot do anything else. It will net you riches. Maybe not financial all the time, but there will be riches coming out of humility. There is honor coming out of humility. There is life, real Good, enjoyable life coming out of true humility. And to get there, I got to mirror Jesus. In my life, I got to make a decision. Lord, I am submitting. Somebody help me. Lord, I am submitting. Yesterday I messed up, but today I'm submitting. Last week, I blundered, but today I'm submitting. 
Last night, I messed up. But right now, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. You're watching online. You need to know that all you need to say to God is, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender all to him. I freely give. I will ever love and serve him. In his presence daily live. I surrender. If you try to obey before you surrender, you will give Christianity a bad name because you ain't going to make it. If you try to obey before you submit, you will be up and down like a roller coaster and people will see you as a broken tooth that cannot be depended on. But when you surrender, somebody needs to, oh, I activate humility in somebody this morning that starts with a complete position of surrender and travels with you into obedience to God. The other point was, I hope somebody's being touched this morning. Jesus was in authority and under authority. He was in authority and under authority. He was never a lone ranger. Proverbs 3 and 5. Three, five, and six. One of my dad's favorite verses. Trust in the Lord, Austin, with all of your heart. I see dad telling me right now, son, do not lead on your own way of doing things. In everything you do, bring him in. And he will make your path straight. Is there somebody in the house this morning that can do with a little bit of straightening in their path? Is there anyone in the house, online, on the streaming network, that has, that has gone through bend after bend, curve after curve, twist after twist in your life? And what you need right now is for the God of God. El Elyon, the Lord Most High, to come in and make things straight for you. You got to come in humility. You got to come in humility. Here, here, is what, here is what Philippians 6, 8 said, and we read it in the beginning, but we're going to get it again, 6, 8. And being found this is talking about Jesus. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled. Go back to six. Who being in the form of God. I want you to get that this morning. 
he was in the form of God. He did not lose divinity. He, get, he, 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 he welcomed physicality, but he did not lose divinity. And 6 says, Philippians 2, 6, who being in the form of God, did not consider it a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. I'm reading from the Amplified on my text. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient. Do you see that? Do you see? It doesn't say he humbled himself to the point of death. The word is clear to make the distinction between the inner submission and the outer behavior. He humbled himself And it showed in his obedience. God help us today. God's speaking to some young folk in here today. God's got his hand on you. God's got his hand on you. There's some, uh, some, some older folk here. Some middle number folk. You're looking at me online and you don't understand, but I believe you're getting it. That all God wants is complete release of whatever you are. Submit and obey, submit and obey. Submit and obey. And that humility, that thing that we identify as biblical humility, will activate wealth, will activate honor, will activate life for you. Ending with one more. Jesus has given you the ability to be a partaker and the pipeline. To be a partaker a personal partaker and a pipeline of his power. He's got it on the table for you. But you can't get there without humility. Humility, submission, and obedience. That's what. You put those two words together and we start to see the makings of humility. can look at Luke 10 19 and see what I'm talking about I don't know if, behold I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and I don't believe 
when the Bible wrote this? That it meant you should go out and look for some snakes and scorpions to jump on and stamp on. That there are things in our life that, are, that bite even worse than snakes. There are things in our life that sting so much harder than scorpions. That cripple you, that want to cripple you. That want to destroy you. The venom of, 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 of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a snake. Jealousy is a snake. It's trying to bite you. And God says, Behold, I want to give you, I want to make you a partaker and a pipeline. Not only will you have the power, but you will help others to get to the power. Thank you, Jesus. This has been a systematic message, just hammering away, trying to get it clear in your head so that when we pray, we can pray properly when we're asking God to bring us into humility with his way and his will. Bow your heads with me. Father, we come, we come, we come. We come. We come with the mess that is us. We come with the flaws and the brokenness. And we say, Lord, we want, need to become aggressively humble. That we put pressure on our sinful humanity, sinful humanness to fall in line with the mandates of heaven. And like Paul, we will beat it into subjection. We will make our flesh obey. We will seek today after you and your will in an aggressive, determined way. Father, we thank you for activating in every person here today the spirit of aggressive humility that we're not just waiting to be humble, but we're going after the work, the internal decisions that have to be made every day to keep us in the space of biblical humility so that you can touch us, renew us, help us every single day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you have not consecrated your life to Jesus, you, you, you need to make a, a commitment to God and say, Lord, save me. With every eye closed and all heads bowed. If you're here today 
If you're online and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this is like my mama's cooking. Doesn't matter how long I tell you, how many times I tell you how tasty the food is. You got to taste it sometime. And I'm inviting you to taste. Come taste and see that God is good. Come taste and see. If you're here this morning in our congregation, very quickly, heads bowed, eyes closed, and you, you need to consecrate it again. You need salvation. You need to turn your life over. Just, just lift your hands and put it down. Just lift your hand and put it down. Wave and put it down. If you're online, say this prayer with me. If you're here, say this prayer with me. Dear Father, I come with my brokenness, with my sinful habits, asking for your help. I repent of my iniquity. And I invite you, God, to wash me, clean me, purify me, and make me whole. I take you as my Lord and Savior. And I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Could we all stand? There's several people that committed. Could we just give God some thanks? Would you all stand? Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus.
make sure you, you greet someone, get a name, something that connects you with the body. And let them know how much you appreciate it. Fellowshipping with them, them this morning. I bless them. Thank you for joining us for this service at the assembly. We hope that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with God. If you responded to the message, will you take just a few moments to fill out a response card in the chat so that we can celebrate with you? If you would like to give to what God is doing through the assembly, you can do so in three ways. First, you can give online at theassemblyflorence.org. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button in the top right-hand corner. If you're on a smartphone or a tablet, click on the plus button in the top right-hand corner and then the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform where you can then set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift and even designate the fund that you would like your giving to go to. You can also give by sending a text message to the phone number 833-729-2238 with a message that says SC Assembly Give. It's all one word together. You'll then receive a text message with instructions on how to move forward. You can also mail check or money order written out to the assembly to The Assembly 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina, 29501. Thank you and have a great week. Make sure you check us out for Power Up with Pastor Andrew on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. And times of refreshing at the assembly on Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless and we'll see you next time here at the assembly.